Hello. Welcome. It is just Gavin. Welcome to the Gavin with Liam podcast with no Liam. This is going to be the first ever solo episode in Gavin with Liam history. And the first time that I'm ever going to record this podcast without Liam, which is really weird. Liam is off in London enjoying the first uh, in the first weekend of his semester extravaganza. Super excited for Liam. He's going to be heading to Florence uh, for his semester in Italy just after this this first weekend in London. He went and saw Les Mis a few days ago, said it was awesome, giving our, our great Gavin with Liam field reporter um, news and updates. And so I didn't want to I didn't want to just leave the podcast alone this week because I got the time. I'm back at school. Um, I'm here in the United States still. So I figured I'd hop on, make a solo episode and and see if I can make something of substance for the faithful, the Gavin with Liam faithful. So uh, I'm pretty excited. I think we can get to it. We can uh, we can start to get into some news that we had this week. It was a pretty good week, honestly. Um, I had I had quite a bit of news that I could put in. And which really helps making a solo episode because I'm here alone with my thoughts. And um, yeah, so it should be should be good. I, I got I got quite a bit to get through here. Um, the first thing that I got for us is that MTC, the Manhattan Theater Club, had a winter benefit concert on Monday, January 23rd. So this past Monday, which originally had Kelly O'Hara headlining, but she tested positive for COVID right before like a, like a little before the performance. And so instead of just completely scrapping the evening, the legendary Bernadette Peter stepped up to the plate. Artistic director Lynn Meadows said, quote, Bernadette is a legend in our industry and is one of our most beloved stars. I am so grateful that she was able to step in tonight. She's been a great friend to MTC since she and I worked together in 1982 on the MTC production of Sally and Marsha. Bernadette subsequently joined MTC's board of directors, and we are honored that she is a treasured member of the MTC family. So super awesome. I, I love this. Bernadette basically just stepped up and was like, hey, let's not not like let the night go to waste, but um, let's let's still give people some sort of big headliner um, that's, you know, of the same or even I would argue of greater caliber than Kelly O'Hara. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this was awesome. And just the fact that Bernadette was able to step up and do that uh, just because she loves MTC. You know, she's on the board of directors now, which is really cool. I actually didn't know that until reading this quote. Um, just really great. It's really awesome seeing her supporting everything that's going on at MTC. Uh, we were talking about them last week with uh, with um, the loss of uh, oh, what was his name? You know, they're they're uh, the head of MTC over there. I'm already forgetting. I think it was Barry Barry something. I wish Liam was here. He would know. Liam would know. Casting was completed for the Lincoln Center's Camelot which begins previews on March 9th prior to opening on April 13th at the Vivian Beaumont. It was previously announced that Andrew Burnap, Philippa Sue, and Dornick, Jordan Donica were going to be headlining, but it was now announced that they are going to be joined by Dakin Matthews, Taylor Trench, Marilee Talkington, Anthony Michael Lopez, Fergie Philippe, and Danny Wallohan, uh, which is really cool. I know I, I recognize Taylor Trench out of those, out of those notable few, uh, but Lincoln Center's Camelot. I'm super excited for it. This is absolutely something that I am making an effort to go see. It's pretty expensive, honestly. Uh, Lincoln Center is pretty good about making their theater accessible. You can sign up for what is called Linktix, L-I-N-C-T-I-X, where they'll give people age 21 to 35, which is our target audience as college students, 
I don't know, buy a fake ID or something. Don't I'm not condoning that, but you can go online and make an account and enter in all your information. And if you qualify, you can get cheap tickets, like $35, $34 tickets to select performances of Camelot. And I was looking through and there's there's only about a handful of performances that have link ticks available and there's only one seat in each of those performances that are available. So it's definitely something if you live in the city, if you live near the city, if you happen to just strike luck and are there at a time that they have link ticks, uh, you can go see that. But um, Camelot, Camelot tickets are on sale. Go get your tickets to Camelot. It is uh, a super exciting production. Um, I'm, I'm most excited to see Philippa Sue in this. And the Vivian Beaumont doesn't have bad seats. I mean, no theater has bad seats, but what Broadway theater I would argue is going to be some of the best views is the Vivian Beaumont because it's, it's in this three quarter thrust style stage and, and um, you're, you're going to have a pretty good view of this regardless of, of where you're sitting for this show. I've never been, I don't think Liam's ever been either, uh, but hopefully I can get over to the Vivian Beaumont at some point. I am planning a spring break trip, so that'd be kind of great to get to go see Camelot. Again, I would need funding for that. I don't know where this funding would come from, but def- these these are not these are not um, cheap tickets at all. Uh, but Kids Night is back on Broadway with the first 2023 date set for March 21st. This is a program that is presented by the Broadway League and the New York Times, and it sends kids under 18 to Broadway shows as long as they're accompanied by a full paying adult. From Logan Koa Block's Playbill article, quote, along with the ticket program, Kids Night on Broadway also includes restaurant discounts, in-theater activities, including talkbacks, activity books, and more. Audience members attending their first ever Broadway show can get a My First Broadway Show sticker, which is pretty cool. We are excited to celebrate the program's 25th return this spring and have our theaters filled with the exuberant energy of young audiences, many who will be experiencing a live show for the very first time, says Broadway League president Charlotte St. Martin in a statement. Thanks to this program, 182,747 kids and teens have attended a show for free, and we know that that will affect their theater-going habits for the future. Our research reflects that 63.5% of Broadway audiences reported that attending theater as children or adolescents, helping to establish early lifelong connections to live theater. As we know, that theater and the arts led to higher educational achievement and high school graduation rates and greater happiness which is really awesome. I think the whole point here, just from a business standpoint, is if they can get kids into a Broadway show early and just just really just really get on them on them quick and 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 put this theater bug in them as early as possible so that, you know, when they're older, they can the whole it's it's, you know, kind of trying to Broadway's trying to set itself up for the future, uh, which is really awesome. I I there's so many, you know, whenever you go to an event or go to a place or or uh a concert, maybe not a concert, but like if you go to like any sort of big event where a lot of people congregate, there's usually deals for kids. And Broadway doesn't have that. This is really the only thing that Broadway has. Like you 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 can't buy like oh, oh, let me buy this ticket for an adult and this ticket for a kid and they're different prices. It's no, a seat's a seat. Broadway doesn't change the prices based on the age of the person that's sitting there. And it's also not super common to see kids at shows except big Disney shows on Broadway. And maybe if there's select shows that are running on or off Broadway in the in New York City that do tailor to kids. I mean, right now I, I see I see a lot on the internet about how Aladdin and Lion King are are huge for that. Um, other ones that come to mind are, are that Winnie the Pooh off Broadway play that looked really awesome that had puppets. Um, just just there's there's only a, a select amount of of uh, 
theater that is is made for kids but it's not it's not something that you never see theater produced on broadway that isn't intended for 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 um just children like it's not intended it's not like a it's not like a like a disney channel show that it's not like adults really want to tune into something like that but there is never a show on Broadway that is only for kids and that adults won't enjoy. But, you know, you can still go see it. It's like, oh, Frozen. Yeah, tons of kids are going to see that that musical. But parents are still going to enjoy it because it's it's not boring and it's it's Frozen. It's great. It's not like it's not like you're going to watch Cocomelon, the musical, and adults are just going to be like, this is really not fun. But I love this. I love the kids night. And and under under 18 is such a huge difference. I was kind of expecting this when I first saw it to be like under 13 or something. Um but under under 18 is is anyone anyone in in high school middle school mng school which is a a, a huge subset of people i mean 182,747 kids and teens have attended a show for free which is great and and the broadway league and the new york times does this and they get a family to donate quite a bit of money so broadway doesn't i would imagine broadway doesn't see a huge financial hit from this and they don't really see that big of a difference in their revenue or really anything maybe it's a little blip or something you'd have to imagine this is really a slow season right now for broadway with um getting people in and this is not this is not a hot time for broadway whatsoever it's actually one of the most dead times to go to go see shows right now and which is great for people who live in the city who want to go see shows for for cheap but it's not great for producers and and people who are actually trying to make the broadway world go round so that uh, also also helps that that Broadway is doing all these incentives like the kids night and they had um, broad they have Broadway week, which we talked about on the podcast, I want to say last week or two weeks ago, um, which is just uh, really good ways for for Broadway in as a collective to have huge discounts going on that apply to just about all their shows instead of having it be like, oh, you can go see Wicked with code uh, January Wicked or whatever. It's it's just kind of Broadway coming together to collectively give those those discounted tickets out, which is pretty awesome. We also got casting announcements that Adrian Warren is going to be leading Room. The show also can't really decide whether it's a play or a musical. Um, as its star, Adrian Warren, who has recently won a Tony for her work in Tina, the Tina Turner musical, it is going into the James Earl Jones Theater on a limited engagement with previews starting April 3rd and running through September 17th. Tickets go on sale February 6th, which is pretty cool. I, I've seen... A lot of talk on this as well in the interwebs, just about the content of this show being pretty heavy. It's it's a pretty messed up story. Um, I don't I don't need to get too into it here. If if that's something that interests you, you can go find that information elsewhere. Um, but this was a movie first, and so a lot of people kind of know what this material is and what to expect, but a lot of people don't either. So it what from what I can tell, it's a play with music. And it's not quite a, a play and it's not quite a musical. I, I was kind of thinking of this concept the other day of there's there's quite a bit of theater that falls on a big spectrum that isn't plays and it isn't musicals. So say all the way on the left of your spectrum, you have plays, you have straight plays. And then in the middle, you have musicals. And then on the right, you have concerts. And you can kind of place every show somewhere on this big number line spectrum of of shows on broadway all the way to the left you have uh the the play that goes wrong and it's a play and or you have um one of my favorite plays proof that liam and i were just talking about on here that's a play that's not that there's no music in it there's there's no real um 
it's not it's not leaning towards a musical at all. And then you have a real musical. I would say sung through sung through musicals are a little more concerty, but if you have a real musical, say Oklahoma, that is dead on on the musicals category. And then all the, on the, all the way on the right, you have concerts that are still produced on Broadway. That's going to be something more like Anne Juliet and Six, which are musicals because they're telling a story because all of these tell stories. You could argue that, you know, a, a Harry Styles tour isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily telling a story. I guess it's not on Broadway, so it doesn't even matter. But there's this play musical concert spectrum. And it's cool to see kind of where where these shows can fall. If you have a sung through musical like Hamilton or Les Mis, you can kind of put that in between this concert musical spectrum because you see Les Mis in concert produced all the time. You you can't really do that with with shows like a chorus line. You could kind of you could kind of say that that is a musical, maybe leaning play because it would never lean concert because there's so much dancing to it. Um, it's just very interesting to think of to think of. I guess actually, you know what? I might take back that statement because because concerts concerts like like MJ would would lean concert as well. And so maybe maybe I would make chorus line more of a concert than a play because of all all of the dance experience in that. Um, I don't know. It's just such an interesting. It's such an interesting conversation. Where where do shows fall on the play to musical to concert spectrum? Putting play on the left, musical in the middle, and concert on the right. Maybe there's also more, and there's just more branches to this. And it's this whole web. It's just so interesting. If you have any shows that you think fall on pretty interesting places in this in this line, uh, shoot them my way. I, I would I would love to further the conversation because I uh, I, I kind of love to think of where shows can fall in this in this idea uh there's a new movie musical starring selena gomez in the works which is going to begin filming this spring in paris it's an opera libretto in 4x which is all i had which is really cool selena gomez love it movie musical love it between riverside and crazy has extended one week at the second stages helen hayes theater they are now playing through february 19th but speaking of second stage they've also now announced dates for their next few works including white girl in danger off broadway starting previews march 15th i mentioned on here a little while ago white girl in danger is michael r jackson the man behind the tony award winning best musical a strange loop uh this is his newest work white girl in danger off broadway march 15th go see it and then the thanksgiving play which is starting previews on broadway march 23rd at the uh, at the helen hayes theater so they'll go from they'll go from Between Riverside and Crazy to uh, the Thanksgiving play. We did mention as well. If you would like to see Between Riverside and Crazy, you can stream this online for a set price, which is one of the newest works in. Um, oh, what was it called? The League of Broadway Live Theater or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, and and that might have passed already. But I don't I don't know. I don't I, I remember you we we mentioned that you could you could buy a one time link to to watch Between Riverside and Crazy online. So if that's something you want to go see. Absolutely, go buy a ticket online. I it, it's such a cool conversation about this uh, this League of Livestream Theater, where this could go, and and where Livestream Theater can go from here because it's coming, and and Broadway's gonna. This is gonna be one of the biggest years, I think, to where we see Broadway evolve and do new things. You know, most recently, just just the the expansion of pro shots and Hamilton going to Disney plus, I think was the biggest thing in that and realizing, Oh my gosh, wait, we don't actually, this isn't a bad thing for us. This isn't, this isn't something that, Oh, we put this show out on, on, on Disney plus and then it's toast. And then no one's going to want to go see it on Broadway because they can just, they can just watch it on Disney plus. That's so much cheaper and easier. No, that can't replace the experience of going in and watching a show, watching a piece that's in front of you. You're living it. It's there. 
and then you finish and and, and you, you just had the same wonderful, magical experience, once in a lifetime experience with all these hundreds of other people sitting around you. And, you know, there's been shows where where you finish and people next to you, or you're just hugging people because of you just went through this this together. And it's it's amazing. Uh, that's a little off topic. But anyways, there was also this really, really cool Broadway World article that came out this week. It was titled, Could AI Written Musicals Ever Come to Broadway? And I thought that this was just way too cool to not include. Um, so I, I just pulled it up in front of me and and instead of taking... I, I was just going to read some quotes. Uh, this was a this was um just by they were credited by writing by Team Broadway World, so it doesn't have a specific writer for me to credit here. But just some interesting quotes is we asked ChatGPT. If you don't know, ChatGPT is this new AI software. It's this new new program online. If you just Google ChatGPT, you can use it, and it is uh, a product of this company called OpenAI. And what OpenAI did is they trained a computer to basically talk to humans and give humans information. You can think of it as a much more sophisticated form of Google. If you type into ChatGPT, hey, ChatGPT, can can you, can you, I don't know, I, I would give it like, like I would practice my, I, I had an accounting exam when, when this first came out. And so I would give it my accounting questions and be like, what's the answer to this? And it could come up with the answer to this. Or you could say, write an essay about this or, or tell me about, about, um, I could ask it, tell me about the history of, of Hamilton's financials on Broadway. And it, it, it can give you a really, really good answer. And so what Broadway World did is that said, we asked ChatGPT to create, quote, an idea for an all new original Broadway musical to see what it might come up with. Twice. They did this two times. The first result was a, mus- was a musical titled Code Breakers with a full outline suggesting musical numbers. ChatGPT, without credit, appeared to have been inspired by a 2011 Channel 4 documentary with the same title. So that one didn't really work. ChatGPT just basically plagiarized work that has already happened. So then they did it again. And then it said uh, they gave them this musical titled Echo Heroes. And, and it they they kind of copy and pasted what ChatGPT gave them, but it, it said Echo Heroes is a musical adventure that follows a group of teenage friends as they discover their power to save the planet and become unlikely eco-activists, which is pretty cool. And then it gave a whole suggested list of musical numbers like Nature's Fury, a song that showcases the characters learning to control the elements. Save the World, a song that inspires the elements, the, the audience to take action to save the planet. Basically, this new eco-friendly activism musical that is that is targeted towards saving the planet uh, but also has has um themes in it like the song the power of friendship a song that highlights the importance of teamwork and unity um which is pretty cool so what Broadway world said is they they said while this is certainly an overly simplistic outline of a potential idea for a musical which again appeared to have been inspired by other content that exists online many artists are already using ai to create new art or to enhance their creative pursuits this is just a very interesting conversation because OpenAI is is now um, is now making this new AI technology which can make songs and you can you can give it a prompt and give it a uh, an idea similar to chat to ch- to the chat function where you can say can you make me a song that has this this and this involved and and this AI is able to do it it's not super complex but it's able to create songs just from words that you give it in a in a box which is remarkable and so. Basically, the idea of this article from Broadway World is like, well, how is this going to impact Broadway? How are we going to be able to, to move forward from here? How, how are we able to, to use this and not let it use us? And, and so 
it's just so interesting that that AI is getting so good that it can do things that humans thought it would never be able to do. You know, if you asked me like, oh, could AI make music? How would AI make music? I guess now it's just not that far fetched. You could have an entire musical. It would if you could tell you could tell AI make a new Sondheim musical and it'll make a musical for you that has all of the characteristics of Sondheim has has everything that's that Stephen Sondheim's work embodies and and is slash was and can give you more of it even though Stephen Sondheim has passed it's it's you know it's not scary I think that's a lot of people's first word for it is it's scary I I don't I wouldn't say that it is. It could, it could, you know, I, I guess it, that's not unfair. It could get scary at some point when it just becomes stale and fake and it's, it's robot musicals. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I think the theater community is smarter than that, if I'm being honest. I don't think that this will never be utilized. I don't think that we'd ever not use robots or, or AI to help us like, uh, hey, I'm kind of at a roadblock here. I'm writing this new show. What should what should happen in in the second act? Should the character like I can't I can't decide? Should he should he save them or should he not? And then we learn something from it or or what what should happen here in this show? I don't know. Just just something really interesting to think of, and I'm super super intrigued to see kind of what can happen next and and where this AI can go with with collaborations on Broadway. Just because Broadway doesn't have too much of of a technological hold over it. It absolutely does in certain aspects, but the fact that it is things happening in front of other people, which is really what technology isn't, it's 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 super it's super interesting. Just just uh, I wanted to include that because I thought it was super interesting. So uh, next up, there's a stage adaptation of Coco in the works from Disney. That's all I really had from that. Um, just uh, Disney is going to be doing this with a lot of their movie musicals that have come out, you know, Moana and Frozen and now Coco and The Greatest Oh, who is The Greatest Showman? Was The Greatest Showman Disney? This is I need I need help from my my friend Finn. He would know. But anyways, uh stage adaptation. Oh, uh stage adaptation of Coco in the works from Disney. Yes. So, I don't know. Interesting to see what comes from that too. Uh this is cool. The prop piano from the Piano Lesson Revival on Broadway is going to be donated to the Smithsonian's National Museum of Afri- African American History and Culture. This is the highest grossing play revival ever, which is really cool. It is closing this Sunday, January 29th, after also being the highest grossing August Wilson production ever. The Piano Lesson was also filmed at last night's performance on January 26th at the, for the Lincoln Center's archives. Sometimes these recordings can find themselves on YouTube. I'm, I'm looking at you, the light in the piazza. But who's to say? Who's to say if that actually happens? Also, this is also cool. For the filming, Tri Tri Byers came back for just last night's show, just for the recording, uh, which I thought was really cool, just so he could be included in that. That's similar to a Jonathan Groff coming back to Hamilton while they were filming type deal. Of course, this is not an, as elaborate of a of a production. This isn't a pro shot, um, but it was it was a professionally filmed production. Uh, similar to something like Hamilton, it didn't need to be like you know. There, there there's a big difference between professional recordings and like quote pro shots i think when we say pro shot we think of like newsies and shrek and hamilton and like these big ones that are that are on these streaming services now and then and then there's there's other ones that are are just used for archives and aren't really meant to go in and be sold to apple tv plus or disney plus or anywhere to be to be kept for for uh, a, a paying audience to go see so who knows? Maybe this Lincoln Center production is this recording is really good, but I'd love to see it. The piano lesson, um, really cool. You know, it's that cool of a 
of a revival when the prop piano is going into the Smithsonian. I love that. I think that's really awesome. So the first bit of info has been revealed for the national tour of company. This is the first word that we've really gotten about this production at all, other than the fact that, that a national tour for company is going to be happening. Casting is still TBA. We don't have any casting yet, but the tour is going to kick off at the Detroit Fisher Theater, then Denver, then Seattle. The tour is going to hit 25 cities in total, which I don't know, seems like a lot to me. I'm sure there's tours that that do more than that, but 25 cities for an just starting out for a national tour before they even decide to extend or, or, or do more cities or whatever. 25 in total. So chances are pretty good that this is going to come near you at some point. Um, I will definitely be in attendance, especially if it's coming to Boston. I feel like if you're hitting 25 cities, the chances are very, very good that it will come to Boston. Uh, shout out to Logan Cowell Block for this wonderful quote in the press release on Playbill. Quote, this extraordinary response to this musical masterpiece, both in London and on Broadway, was exhilarating, says Chris Harper, who will continue to pay salaries for all involved with the production on the road. If you know, you know, on that kind of quote. Uh, Almost finally, the Dear Evan Hansen tour is calling it quits after this summer, and it will play its final performance July 2nd in Columbia, South Carolina. What uh, when it's done, the production will have played 104 engagements with all it's kicked off. With all of this kicked off a long time ago with Ben Levi Ross, who started the tour, who I got to see on the Dear Van Hansen tour. I saw that a few years ago. I want to say pre-COVID, 2019, I think. Fall 2019. That sounds about right. Ben Levi Ross was amazing. And then, you know, he, of course, went and did this show on Broadway for a little bit of time. Um, but finally, finally, Alyssa, Ro- Alyssa Fox is taking over as Alphaba this March 7th. She is the Alphaba standby and recently played Alphaba on the tour as well. She was also the Alpha, uh, the Elsa standby in the Broadway company of Frozen. So really cool. I, I think when there's the changing of the guard in, in Wicked and when you're getting a new Alphaba or a new Glinda or a new Bach or a new Fiero, you're getting a massive press release about this. Um, which is pretty cool. It's a big deal for for all those wicked people. There's there's a lot of people who wicked is their life. It's a big deal. But that's all I got for the news. Um, if Liam were here, he would say, "Man, that's gross." I'm I'm not going to do it. That's his thing. I can't do it justice. Um, but we had some some okay grosses this week. Um, just at a glance, from a big Broadway glance, grosses were down twenty four percent. Which makes sense. We lost quite a few shows. Um, we had 183 performances happen this week, which is 44 less than last week. You have to remember that we had um, our funeral last week. Um, I'm just going to pull up uh, these Broadway World grosses just to get some of these big numbers in front of me because I don't have a lot of these in my spreadsheet. Um, we lost quite a few shows from last week. Um, we had 23 uh, music, uh, musicals and plays on Broadway this this week compared to 29 last week. So we lost six, which is a lot in one week. And then I think we lost four or five more the week before that. So we're really we're really in this Broadway changing season, but it's fine. It happens all the time. Um, so attendance was down 17 percent, um, which is, is fine. It's fine. The ticket average was down 8 percent, which is to be expected when you're we're running a, b- a bunch of promotions like uh, like. Um, Broadway week and, and a lot of places will be doing ticket deals now that that attendance is down and grosses are down. So there were two shows to sell out this week. One was MJ the Michael Jackson musical. They sold 11,101 of their 11,096 available seats. And the Phantom of the Opera, of course, sold to 100.6%, which is down for them. They have been playing to 101.1 this whole time. I don't really know what 
would change there. Maybe a few standing room seats that don't get sold, but you can't really imagine that that's the case. I don't really know. Be interested to, to, to find out. But there was, some, there was quite a few shows that were really close to selling out. Really close in my mind is 98 and 99% capacity shows. So we had Chicago playing to 98.9 and Jinx Monsoon's first week. And then we had Hadestown playing to 99.6 and Hamilton playing to 99.8. And we had Moulin Rouge at 98, Book of Mormon at 98.6, and finally The Piano Lesson at 99.8. The biggest difference in gross from last week was Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, up 16.49%. They played the same amount of performances last week. Every show had um, eight performances, which was the same as last week, except for Chicago, which had seven performances last week, and the brand new Pictures from Home played seven this week when they only played four last week. Um, Surprisingly enough, Pictures from Home played four shows last week, and seven shows this week, and um, oh, that must be incorrect. Their gross percentage says they went down here, but it looks like it doubled. Interesting. I might have done something wrong with my math. Who knows? Maybe I won't include gross percentages from now on. Oh, that's why. I see. Hold on. I'm going to fix this formula. I I, uh, messed up. So now that I put this in, should be good. To go, so now I can analyze the grosses. Uh, so for the ticket difference, we had um, the biggest difference in ticket sales from last week to this week was the piano lesson at nineteen point eight percent, and the biggest drop in ticket sales was at Harry Potter. They were down four point two percent. Attendance didn't really take a hit from last week. It it uh, surprisingly surprisingly we were we were okay. We had a few shows sell out. We had a few shows come close. Um, but the biggest heavy hitter this week was at Funny Girl. Their average ticket to see Funny Girl was $203, and the top ticket was $549. Um, it's going to be pretty interesting. These numbers will kind of come back to normal after Music Man's gone, because Music Man was consistently ranking, raking in that top ticket. And the least expensive show to go see, the, the least expensive average ticket, was at, at second stages between Riverside and Crazy at the Helen Hayes. Uh, at $77, just about $78. So that's pretty interesting. Um... Yeah, I mean, honestly, just a just a pretty good week. It it it's a little sad for me to look at this now because we've lost so many shows on on this list of musicals, um, and and we're we're not gaining as many in in this this week and next as as you know the past few weeks have had. But the shows that are selling are selling, and and there's only a handful of shows that aren't playing to eighty or ninety percent of their capacity. We lost all those shows that were really struggling, the Ohio State Murders and and whatnot aren't around anymore which is pretty sad the only shows that i can see at a glance that aren't play that are playing to below 80 percent capacity are leopoldstadt some like it hot take me out and i think that's it uh the lowest in that group being leopoldstadt and um some like it hot are pretty much the same if some like it hot continues only selling three quarters of their house it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say this show might not stick around for too, too much longer, but I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? So, yeah, in short, a, a good week. It should be bad this week, and it's not quite as bad as I would say, which is, eh, I'll take it. That's fine. A lot of shows a lot of shows went down from last week, but there were some shows that grossed more than they did last week. Uh, those shows that had a positive gross were between Riverside and Crazy. Chicago, Chicago would make sense because they played more shows. Moulin Rouge, Pictures from Home, 
Take Me Out, The Collaboration, The Phantom of the Opera, and The Piano Lesson. So if you would like a complete list of this, this is, as always, the courtesy of the Broadway League's numbers. So you can go to the Broadway League and get all of these beautiful numbers in front of you if that's your thing. But as always, I'll be back next week with more Broadway grosses and more Broadway news. And I'll hopefully be joined by Liam. There is a chance Liam might not be back next week, but I uh, I don't see that happening. So I think that might be it. I think that might do it for my first ever solo episode, um, which I surprisingly still felt like I had a lot to talk about, which which was nice. Um, yeah, I, I, love, I love this show. I love the people who tune in and we'll do it again in seven more days next Friday. See you there. Bye. Me.